0: What's good, Internet? It is Monday, August 27th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, Episode 182. I'm your host, Austin Walker. And uh, joining me today, Danielle Riendo. Hi, hello. And Patrick Klepek. Hello. Uh, I am, I think it's fair to say, a little reserved this morning um, after the uh, shooting in Jacksonville yesterday, uh, yep. which occurred at a Madden tournament. Um, uh i i guess i'm i'm it's one of those things it's like i think we are we have a responsibility to talk about it but i'm also exhausted and i'm saddened and terrified uh yeah. and so it's it's going to be one of those conversations so heads up content warning um that we're going to get into some deep stuff here um that is going to be uh uh i guess kind of heavy um for the first segment at least and then you know we'll take a break and then we'll come back and talk about talk about video games, we'll talk about the fact that Patrick isn't allowed to talk about Spider-Man yet because of his embargo, unfortunately. <laughs> the embargo
1: is lifted on me being able to say that I will one, at one point have one, things to at say. At some point, you'll talk Spider-Man. about
0: it. Totally. Um, so yeah, Patrick, can you uh, can you break down the story for us, uh, what, what occurred at, at Jacksonville Landing uh, yesterday?
1: Yeah, there was a, a Madden 19 uh, tournament um, at a Florida mall uh, in Jacksonville um, and right in the middle of the tournament, which was being streamed uh, on Twitch, and um, a gunman opened fire, uh, killed two, uh, injured a number of others. Uh, people there, and as people were fleeing, um, he eventually turned the gun on himself. Um, there are scattered reports about uh, that he was a competitor in the tournament. Um, I'm I maybe mean, this is a, a, a something we can pivot off to to talk about, a sort of a reaction. To this, especially as people who work in media, is that you know a lot of what's happening right now is the rush to figure out who this person was, why they did what they did. Um, and I think, you know, often in these instances, there is, uh, there's a lot of, uh, media research that has shown that those sorts of stories can be actively harmful because yeah. they, uh, the glorification, even if it's not saying, you know, glorification is just, that doesn't mean that you're saying what a person did was good, was or good, should right. be encouraged right, right. It's just the fact that they get a lot of, uh, nationalized coverage as a result. And, um, there, there, it has been shown that you know that can uh create copycats and so uh we are in that phase where there's like this weird i understand the journalistic impulse to like try and break down like the why like who yeah. was this person why did they do what they do how can we explain uh this heinous act um but that runs into i think other challenges that uh i i don't know like this happens every single time i don't know that like a thorough study, a or not even thorough. It's like a haphazard. Yeah. Look up the Twitter accounts, the Facebook accounts, the Instagram accounts. What did they like? Where did they post on? What forums? Um, and that picture. it's not like a, it's not like we're getting a profile where someone has spent, you know, weeks figuring out who this person is, painting like a very thorough picture of an individual. It's, uh, you know, lots of haphazard things being shared and like kind of collectively yeah. building something that think- maybe will make sense a week from now, but then no one will be paying attention. Right. And yeah. stuff right. that was harmful may have just done the harmful thing as opposed to informing anybody and providing any clarity or answers.
0: Do you think that this is th- – so We, I think it's fair to say that for some, uh, for some outlets that's kind of a cynical thing because that sort of coverage gets – its eyes, because everyone is curious. Um, but I guess uh, you know. Let's let's say best case scenario uh, in terms of motive, in terms of intention, um, and and just general curiosity. What do you think motivates that? Is that is that people who just want to make sense of a situation? Is that people looking for some magic phrase or sign that, like, oh, we could have if only we had paid more attention to this. This this would solve what is actually this deeply embedded cultural problem. Well, there's no fucking policy solution because no. politics.
1: I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, I think that's right. where some of this is right. certainly totally. fueled by. It's not um, is not singular, but I, I
0: think you and have when you to say imagine that, just to be that, clear. When you say there's no policy solution, you mean that because of like <laughs> yeah, Washington there, gridlock, because the, of the, yes. the, America, yeah. yeah,
2: because of yeah,
1: America, yeah, due, yeah, due yeah,
0: yeah. to uh, uh, deep embedding uh,
1: on on the right, especially. There's certainly yeah. you know folks on the left um, that, that participate in this as well. But yeah, there's there's a I, I would say. Uh, like I said, not singular, but I have to imagine what feels part of this is frustration over knowing nothing will change. There will not be an active movement to, like the why is not answered with a okay and, right? (laughs) It's it's just like, this was a bad, you know, this was a bad person or maybe they had a mental illness. Like there are, we fill in certain gaps about a a person, but then don't use that evidence to make any, try and achieve meaningful change for the, the future. And so in- people can't, I mean, you can, there's, how much can you do, right? You may, what if you live, what if you live in Florida where it's like NRA dominated, like right. really increasingly red state in which like the hopes of policy change are nil. And so, you know, if you want to know what's happening in the community, like the only thing, like, yes, I mean, you should go out you should like demand more from your politicians. There are actions you can take to hopefully try and move the needle, but absent that or in the immediate moment, like what can you do except try and process it by understand, mm-hmm. trying to understand why. So I think that's a very human uh, motivation, and it, it runs into a very human journalistic motivation that doesn't necessarily always lead to the best outcomes. And often that search for answering the why with the person is easier than answering the why with the policy change. Right. And so the easier one is filling in the character sheet rather than trying to understand, well, like, what what could we have done? Maybe it wouldn't have solved this shooting right like some shootings are just going to happen um but what could we have done to to maybe mitigate the one in the future and maybe you know maybe you'll see you're seeing conversations in uh folks that work in esports pointing out like we need to take security more seriously in the future like that a that is a meaningful uh policy change for the future for other organizers that's going to be challenging for smaller tournaments that maybe don't have (sighs) the money to do things like that that said this was a high-profile tournament involving high-level players in which um and who I, I don't even know if there was a security lapse. So I mean like those are sorts of conversations you're seeing, at least what I'm observing from folks on Twitter who are more connected in those
2: in those circles. To be clear, when you're talking about a policy change, you're talking specifically about gun control in America. And uh Yeah, it's gun control, I'm assuming that's it's yeah, it's mental about. health, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. they're
1: all there's a whole but yeah, it's only mostly the fucking guns though. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the major difference between us and other industrialized nations, right? That do not have nearly the same mass shooting problem yep. which is literally an epidemic at this point um and and have you know what's the main difference between us and many of the other industrialized nations well they have gun control they have strict gun control policies so yeah yeah it's
0: yeah it's upsetting it's, and uh it's so demoralizing I,
2: demoralizing yes sorry Go it ahead.
0: is it is i, I mean I, I i don't know that i used these words on twitter yesterday in my thread but the thing that i The thing that I keep coming back to, like, the most demoralizing thought—let me just put this out there. Let me just share the worst (laughs) thoughts—are that, like, it can sometimes feel like it's a foregone conclusion. It can sometimes feel like we are in— that we aren't on, like, a, a series of highways. The future is not a series of highways where we get to choose the directions we're choosing. It can feel like we are in a river, and, like, yeah, there are some branches, and there are some, like, tributaries and whatever, but, like, we're going one direction. We're going down this river, because someone 30 years ago made decisions and we didn't catch it then. I feel that way about I don't feel that way. I in my wor- on my worst days I feel that way. I don't want to represent that as like my daily feeling, but in the wake of something like this, when I think about the situation that we are in with with climate control, with gun control, um when I think about the situation there are, there are places where I think that's a little more flexible, right? I think about like the situation with healthcare, like seeing people talk about single payer like commonly now, is, is... Medicare for all. Medicare for all, yeah. exactly. That stuff is, is uh, like, buoys me a little bit. But when I think about gun control specifically, it feels like we've walked down a path that, you know, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It, it would be... I would love to live in the world where America just did not have as many guns in it anymore. But there are so many, because people made choices, foolish choices, about policy for so long and produced a culture where... At all moments, gun rights were being held up and guns were purchasable, yet at the same time, there was a demonization of those who wanted gun control to the degree of vilification that that made it seem as if people were going to come strip your guns away, which encouraged more guns to be purchased in this country. Um, uh, and, and again, like this is one of those situations where we, d- I don't know the specifics of this specific weapon, right? I don't know how, uh, the, the shooter in this, in this instance, if
1: banning like, bump stocks would have made a difference, uh, uh, right? I, I don't, Stuff I don't, on the right, totally
0: in the same way that I, uh, in the same way that there's already lots of speculation around mental health, around, you know, around parenting, around so many things. It's so many people looking for that one magic thing that they could fix to, to stop this. Um, and, and I guess, like, the thing that I said on Twitter yesterday, I'll just reiterate, which is, like, if you feel hopeless in this moment or feel like you're not sure what the solution is, like, one, if you're listening, you're not alone in that. That is not I I don't think that's a moral failing to look at this and go, like, what the fuck do we even do? I think that is a completely human, and, and I think that's a, that's a great first step response because I think that it recognizes the our, our individual smallness. And our individual uh, um, uh, inability to change this this thing uh, by ourselves, and I think that that is a, it's a better step than Oh, that's because that guy was, you know, to 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 he mentally ill, right? Like, oh yeah, we can't fix people who are, which is which is its own huge, huge barrel of problems. Yeah. Um, and, and which isn't to say that that America doesn't have a mental health crisis because we don't have adequate uh, and available mental health resources for people, and we still have a culture of stigma, stigmatization. Um, all of that stuff is true, but also, like, I'd rather you as a listener be like, man, I don't know what to do here. Take a deep breath. Like I can't fix this by myself. Then saying like, well, of course, the only problem is this guy is uh, as, as an individual. Um, and then and then to take that second step, and this is the way harder thing, which is like, well, how can we start to imagine policy changes around gun control? How can we start to imagine policy changes around healthcare? How can we start to imagine policy changes in our local communities, um, in our in our state, and then and then you know, lo- or federally? Um, and it just it's it can feel deeply overwhelming. So just like no... That that is not a unique feeling by any means Um, and try to find those other people who feel overwhelmed and and figure out how to act locally um, with them immediately. Again, if you're in a place like if you're in a place like Florida right now, like this is Florida has been there there are primary elections on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. If you weren't going to vote, maybe rethink that. And and you know Florida is a place that has had its fair share of tragedy again and again and again. Um yeah. Everywhere in America has. Like America is not. A, there is no safe corner. I think that that to me has been the most terrifying. Uh, shakeout of this is like. My mom asked me yesterday on the phone if I would felt safe going to PAX, and like I don't because I like, PAX yeah. is like. PAX West especially is kind of a disaster for security because it's not in a single building. Like PAX East takes place in the Boston convention and exhibition center or whatever. Right. And so it's like, there are metal detectors at the front door. Um, and then you're inside and that's like, okay, well everybody goes to a bag check or whatever. Uh, Pax West is, like, a bunch of hotels (laughs) that you just, like, walk in. Hotels, it's venues
2: all over the city. Yeah, and like you
0: have to walk around the streets. I'm like, I'm not saying I want more cops. I don't know the last time a cop has made me feel safer. You know, it's like a double bind in a weird way. Um, But the thing I actually told my mom was, like, man, I don't feel safe going to the grocery store in America. Like, it could happen anywhere. My friend, a friend of mine that his neighborhood grocery store out in LA just got, and he lives, he's like, you know, fairly well off lives in a nice, he lives in Silver Lake. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's
1: a good, that's a good ass it's neighborhood. It's a good ass
0: neighborhood. They like a new grocery store opened up. I think he went to go get groceries. I'm like, well, I can't get groceries today because everything's cordoned off. Cause there was a, a mass shooting here. And like, it sucks. Like it's, it's, it's overwhelming. I, I am often at a loss for, for like words of wisdom here. Uh, because, Outside of like, hey, get active in your local community. Hey, fi- you know, support political organizations who you think are doing good work. Change comes slow, and it's generational. It's, it's generational, not, and it's right. Like
1: I, I have, I have hope for you know some of the reactions we saw earlier. Yeah, yeah like I, I, but you know, by seeing some of the stuff that happened, you know, out of the Parkland shootings, um, you know, I'm encouraged about the ability for future generations to slowly fix right. the mistakes of. Uh, both our generation and generations past, but I do think like gun culture change can. I'm not saying will come to America, right. but k- can. But that's a generational thing that happens yeah. over decades. That happens happens over a hundred years. Like that doesn't happen tomorrow. Like I I think in a, in many ways like it's it's a lost cause, but it's one that you can't. In the same way that like you know climate change, like it's right. it's lost cause, in that like there is no magic solution, right? right. Like. The, the guns don't all just disappear. We're not going to do what Australia did. There's not going to be a gun no. buyback program, right? No. Like, and so it's more of like a long war of attrition where like minds need to change. There has to be a culture shift, and like, so I'm encouraged by you know you look at the numbers on how younger yeah. generations feel about guns. It's like those people will and ine- you know eventually come into power in a way where they can enact change, and those are the people that are going to make. They're going to make changes that will affect their kids, and like that's right. how that stuff uh, changes. It just happens at such a, a a long stretch of time that it can feel real dispiriting, especially if, like, yes, like we were telling people, like, go look at your local politics. Well, <laughs> what if your local politics <laughs> is fucked, and yeah. actually you can't, and make also you can't move, and
0: also you, yeah, exactly,
2: totally, or you've been disenfranchised,
0: right, totally, as
2: as happened a lot in Florida, actually. Um, one Florida's thing I, about to vote
0: to give a bunch of people
1: back their right to vote, though, in November. They have a ballot uh, that is uh, initiative, true. initiative yeah, that's going to yeah. give back a bunch of um, folks who've uh, been to prison. They can get their right back to vote. So, Good. again, like those, shit like that, go vote for that in November. Right.
2: Yes. Please do. Um, Austin, I had a very similar conversation with my mom yesterday oh, yeah? about security at PAX, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter kind of saying the same thing, and, uh, you know, one of the things was, she was like, well, what's the security like there? And I was like, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> not to worry you, but there's also the aspect of this that that a lot of security is security theater and doesn't right. actually right. stop a lot of things, uh, yep. which is really scary and it's it's something to contend with. And literally, the only thing that gives me any comfort, I I went on, I, I went and bought tourniquets yesterday. Right. I literally bought tourniquets. But right. to like That's the keep other thing
0: you could do my is my like Danielle, actually <laughs> train to help people in in uh, a crisis situation.
2: Yeah, this. The only thing that gives me any comfort at all is yeah. like, OK, well, if this happens, I, I, that's that's the thing. I, I've had this sort of psychological journey of like not necessarily thinking it'll happen to at this point in life feeling like, OK, this could happen. And I would like to be at least have the first idea of what to do if I'm in this situation. So yeah. I would encourage people if you have resources at work, a lot of workplaces now have active shooter training for best practice, the best things to do. <sighs> literally is hide uh turn off the lights make no noise make sure your phone is silenced and know what to do about bleeding control literally um which you know i'll just say right here abc's airway breathing circulation learn how to use a tourniquet i know this is grim stuff yeah but maybe it's i don't know maybe i'm out of my mind for thinking this way but it feels like we've gotten to this point um so those are the tiny things you can do sort of in your immediate vicinity uh, if something like this happens, that and as Patrick is saying, go vote, fucking vote every time you can, whatever you can do on your local level.
0: Yeah. And um, here's a uh, the smallest. I, I don't know. I think that that the thing that I'm now the thing that I am struggling with is how to engage with this issue with folks who. You can you you can sometimes tell you're know, like all right this person is like this person wants there to be more shooters in the world who can intercede and be superheroes. Good I'm guy not gonna, with a gun. Good guy with a gun. I'm not gonna inter I'm not gonna intervene with that person. But there are a lot of people out there who try to walk that centrist line of like, well, you know, we can't blame guns for everything, and there is it can be so exhausting to get into and I say this because this has been what I've been watching. Very, very good hearted people try to do my mentions for the last twenty four hours. I've been arguing with with people. Um, I don't want to say save your energy, uh, but but spend it wisely is what yeah, I would pick say. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Yeah. Like you and, and, and
1: sometimes you have to like go against those arguments that don't go anywhere to yeah. start building a profile so you yep. can, like, identify immediately people who, like, you know, this is how I pick how to choose to who I do don't respond to on anything on Twitter when you're dealing with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people is, is you have to find a way to kind of gut check, like, is this – okay, hmm. what is this person yeah. – what are they bringing to this? Are they just right. trying to make me angry because they, they know my time that I'm trying to for be – right
0: right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, like, for me, it's like, well, let's have that conversation with people who are actually in my life who maybe differ with me on this, where it's an actual conversation and not just, like – a random person who says they're a lawyer on the internet <laughs> yeah, telling right. telling people that 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 he's right and they're wrong um focus on like you know hey if you're what if your sibling or if your cousin or if your parent uh or if you're your kid like uh, feels dramatically different about this and and i I definitely think that those are those are the those are the relationships I feel much more responsible um about and and with uh, my friendships my family relations than just strangers so like you you cannot um you know, don't 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 burn yourself out arguing with strangers on the internet. It is not worth it. It is not. Well, uh, and
1: arguments like this aren't usually not that you can't have fruitful conversations on the internet. On top of this, but it's probably not on Twitter yep. with a rando, right? Like, like completely stranger. It's, it's probably yeah. smaller communities, right? Yep. It's like a Discord server yep. that, like, you have a communal uh, interest in a game. It's a message board that you have a community that you're a part of. Like, that's there are places where stranger engagement can work. But Twitter is not usually. People are usually going into a if they're coming into a Twitter thread like you're usually going in, kind of like you know charging in with a certain perspective and you know wanting to you're drop to the bash payload and
0: bounce. Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: Um, uh, it's weird because um, the not sparked by this incident in in particular, but uh, like in my life there it's you know. I mean, uh, headed to my mid-30s and uh, a lot of folks who are having kids and stuff like that and the response to – and these are all people who have not grown up in um, sort of gun culture communities. Like n- that was not a part of like anyone in any one of my friends or even friends of friends circles. Like maybe there were some occasional hunters but like that was just not right. – guns were not part of uh, my life growing up uh, at all. And uh in You know, in part, I think it's sort of part and parcel with, like, a larger distrust in institutions that we can, like, specifically map and see happening um, in our culture in the last, like, 30 years especially. Um, and people who are having kids, the I have had conversations with friends who are like, have you thought about buying a gun? Like, then right. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, you don't want to own a gun. He's like, I know, but, like fucking I got a kid now, like, maybe I should have a gun, and I'm like, no, what, you know, it's stop, right, but, like, I mean, and they're, right, they're, it's, it's, this, good, they're, the... they're like, they're not being, like, asshole no. gun culture, no, no, you no, know, no. person, like, there they're, something... like, thinking, like, how do I protect my family, I've never given this a thought before, because I didn't grow up around guns, but, like, you know, I, I see what happens with the police, like, I don't trust the police, like, maybe right. I'm supposed to trust myself, and then, like, we actually have, like, interesting, the arguments where I tell them they shouldn't probably own a gun. That just seems like that's more risk than. And also, you, yeah. come on, man. Like you live in like mostly like low crime like communities. Like fucking lightning doesn't strike at your house. <laughs> uh, but right. But I mean, like it, those are the conversations that I've had. Like constructive, interesting, like larger gun culture conversations yeah, totally. where people are coming from like a reasonable feeling of like I want to d- protect my family. I see what's happening out there. Maybe I should think about this and then that leads to like larger conversations that are actually fruitful about like what could we actually do about you know shootings and and things like that where like it's a heated emotional conversation because we're talking about like our families and like wanting to do right by them but also trying to figure out you know uh that ends up bleeding into like a a larger conversation that i found uh, that i that i found to be like very fruitful in a way that um other conversations like especially ones on the internet have have not Um, Side note, I just want to make people aware that uh, if you're, like, Google searching uh, this uh, event, I wish I'd gotten this up uh, closer at the top, but um, there is a clip uh, that's going around. It's pulled down from Twitch, but it's, you know, you can't erase things from the internet. Um, It's been embedded in a lot of uh, news coverage uh, of this. It's probably getting posted on Twitter a whole bunch. One on Twitter, good, like, self-care thing is you can turn off autoplay on videos. Please do. So that's just good for, like...
0: Everything.
1: Inge- everything. People um, singing. But, but especially <laughs> for stuff like this where, you you know, uh, if, if people are posting uh, sensitive uh, sort of videos, uh, it's nice to be able to have the opportunity to click play and know what you're getting into. But specifically, there's a clip um, in which, you know, there are these players uh, playing the game. Uh, you, you know, briefly see a red dot site on uh, one of the players, the feed cuts, and then... You hear a bunch of gunshots. It's disturbing. It's not graphic in the sense that it's visually graphic, but it is certainly graphic um, in terms of, like, what your mind can imagine is happening yeah. in that situation. Yeah. So just be aware as you're searching around this stuff, you know, your your mileage may vary and where your curiosity takes you on that. Uh, I listened to the clip myself, and it's really terrifying, but I, I didn't learn anything from it. And so right. I guess that's what I would say is if, if you can – if you don't think you need to see it, then maybe you don't need to see yeah. it
0: yeah yeah totally That's fair. um as a reminder i guess i'll say briefly you know we <laughs> it's wild like it was four months ago that we did a podcast episode about guns and and yep. games and we did the whole guns and games week in the in the wake of the parkland shootings um uh, and I bring this up only because, Patrick, you reminded me of the, the conversation with your friend um, and and his feeling of, like, how do I protect my family and how do I protect my, myself in a world where I don't trust the police and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I do think that there is a degree of nuanced conversation to be had. I'm going to let that motorcycle drive by.
2: He agreed, or they. I, I do
0: think, yeah, motorcycle agreed. I do think that, like, when you start looking at things like that, uh, there is a degree of nuanced conversation to be had. There's a great article by Yusuf Cole on the site called "White Supremacy, Black Liberation: The Power Dynamics of Gun Violence," which gets into that a little bit. Um, and in general, um, I, I just want to, you know, <laughs> I want to point back to that week of stuff. If you if you're listening to us for the first time uh, or listen to us now a- after we did that week, um, there's some great stuff there for tackling this conversation because on one hand i think it's absurd to i, I think some of the com- some of the comparisons uh some of the connections drawn between video games and mass shootings are absurd uh they are they are reactionary they're it's scapegoating it's whataboutism it's like the worst sort of deflection um coming from those who are actually in the power to affect change yeah. um on the other hand I'm deeply interested in the way that games and the way that all media purve- portrays everything that it portrays, right? I'm, I'm interested in the way that that games portray sex and and race and adventure and exploration. And so, of course, I'm also interested in the way that, that games, uh, you know, show off and, and utilize gun violence specifically. Um, and so there's a lot of articles uh, in that week that, that I think are worth reading. And I'm, I'm kind of curious for both of you if events like this have changed – your feelings on gun violence in games um if if your feelings you know there there was an article going around um people were linking to it in, in the wake of this um that was an interview with some of the naughty dog folks talking about um the last of us 2 demo and and the gun violence in that and like what it was doing and and how they got it right and how they mo-capped it right. And, you know, it's one of those things, like, you read it in a different context, you read it at E3 and you go like, oh, wow, interesting. You read it in the wake of a, of a mass shooting, like, oh, boy, we sure are devoting a lot of resources to getting the way a body falls and bleeds out right. Yeah. Um, and I'm just curious if, if the kind of ongoing, like, repetition of these events have, have ch- has changed anything for you, too, with violence and games, or just, like, where your heads and, and hearts are at on this.
2: To some degree, a lot of this is reflected in sort of the the types of 911 calls that go on as well. Like seeing sort of the results of of real life violence uh, can be pretty sobering and and mess with your head a little bit and definitely makes some of this feel a little bit more fraught. But I'm also not like, you know, the world's biggest first person shooter fan either. Like, right? anyway. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I love shooters that have other things going on. I, yeah. I sure love immersive sims, but don't shoot much in them. So it, it was never really, like, my, my number one genre All in right. the first place. But it does... It's weird. I have actually been spending so much time lately looking at GoldenEye speedruns. And I know that's an mm. older game. I know it's not, you know, in any way realistic or anything. But there was a huge debate at the time when GoldenEye was being made about how violent it should be or how cartoonish the violence should look, especially because Nintendo, this is like a Nintendo, big Nintendo game, game yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And Miyamoto had famously made some overture about. Showing Bond like shaking people's hands or something to show he's a good hero. He's not really a, a violent. Oh, they want – I think it bitch. was.
1: It was. It was supposed to be um, like in the during the credit sequence. He yeah, Bond to go to a hospital and shake like, hands shake with their all the bad guys to, yeah, show to show that show it they... was like it was. It, he didn't kill them, and that actually it was all in, you know, like it was a all movie right. or whatever. All yeah, right, right, right. it was a very. It, mean, it, 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 a it's a very. Cute, it, it's cute though. It's adorable. Yeah.
2: It's adorable. Right. 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 God. Um. But yeah. I. It feels increasingly a little difficult for me to think, like, "Wow, this gun is awesome! You know, that kind of, like, reaction that PR typically wants you to have when you're playing a game at a demo, and they're like, how'd the shotgun feel? I I feel, like, fine doing that in something like Doom, or something very, you know, you're shooting demons in the face. Exactly, something pretty fantastical. But I do increasingly feel a little twinge, and maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just, like, a bleeding heart, but that's also... It is. It has gotten a little bit more fraught for me, I think, over the last uh, few months or last couple of years.
1: I don't know that it's, like, had that much impact on the way I play or don't play games. I mean, maybe that's personally reflected in that I've never, like, I liked Modern Warfare a lot because it was, like, a good-ass video game in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously, you know, the fetishization of the military and things like that are all a problem. Like, the left trigger, right trigger in that game was exceptional Ooh, yeah so, there it is <laughs> um there so I, I i don't know like i i i do play i play a lot of first-person shooters but i also think like m- those military style first shooters have also fallen out of favor yeah in a lot of ways like
0: yeah. it was, what at, was, it was the at the height you actually post- played
1: right right so like i mean i think like sort of the you know modern warfare really kicked off you know roughly 10 years of of, of that becoming a right, like real point of emphasis, like Medal of Honor. Battlegrounds is like
0: actually probably the last one that you played, and that's yeah, not the same thing. But. No.
1: Um, uh, but, yeah, I guess Battlegrounds, like, falls, is, is sort of, like, is adjacent uh, right. to that, even though I feel like it it's on a different track than, like, the kind of thing that Modern Warfare, Medal of Honors, and, you know, I mean, I guess maybe, like, Peak, that type of game was... Fucking! What was the police one you wrote about? This one, Battlefield oh. hard, uh, hard yeah.
0: Hardline. Yeah, Hardline,
1: right? Like yeah. that. Jeez. In some That's ways, still, felt yeah. like like it hitting a certain peak and and fall and falling off. And you know, we still have. Uh, and then there's been a retreat to sort of classical war, right? Like <laughs> right. Where, with you know, Battlefield, Call of Duty, going to you know, World War One and World War Two. Um, and uh, so I don't. It feels like games have shifted away from like a specific. Type, but like in terms of whether these events have like ah, I don't want to play a game that like feels real good in the shooty. Uh, like I don't know if that's changed that much. Like I'm, if there was a if Destiny three came out, I'm not interested in the Destiny expansion. But like I guess maybe I, I, I do prefer like ones that are set in fan like fantasy, sort of fantasy settings. Or something. But yeah, that's yeah. but that's less a reflection of like real world events and more just I think it's more game design is more interesting when they can fuck around a little bit with some magic powers and some grappling hooks. Maybe this this person, because I didn't grow up in any sort of, like, gun culture household or community, like, I have no inherent, like, there's nothing about, like, a realistically modeled AK-47 that does anything Anything for for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's weird, because, like, I definitely also didn't come from a a gun culture to anything like, i was not a gun family we we're not hunters we did not have there's no one in my life who like uses guns on the regular um that's i mean outside of like military personnel in my family you know right right, right. um uh but the but i definitely i am it's such a weird thing i think actually this is uh you know i'm gonna talk about giant robots for a second Please. um you know me uh so every okay Every once in a while, someone, you might, be link, you might be listening to this right now, someone will link me to something where, like, Japan and America are going to make a giant robots. Companies in Japan and America are going to make giant robots, and they're going to fight. Isn't this awesome? Or, like, oh, wow, what if Trump's Space Force had robots? Or whatever, <laughs> right? Like, those sorts of people link right, me to those things. Right. Like, oh, awesome, let's be excited about it. Like, no. Like, <clears throat> no. I never want there to be giant robots in my fucking lifetime. Like, never in my life do I want to see a giant robot walk down the street? They're terrible. And the point of the stories that I love are that they're terrible. And at the heart of that contradiction is that I think they're fucking cool as hell, right? Like, (laughs) I think that the design of my favorite Gundam models are, they're lovingly crafted. They're like... There's vents, and there's weird kneecaps, and the giant chain that goes around, and this one has like hook, and like, ah, it's... like The audacity
1: get, is part of the appeal.
0: It is, but I mean, some, some of them are modeled like tanks more than like superheroes, right? Like, there's a right. range in the in that world. Um, and and so... And yet, yeah, my favorite things in Gundam, like, one of my favorite Gundam things ever is a, is a show called 0080, War in the Pocket. It's about a... A kid, like an eight-year-old kid who loves giant robots, who loves mechs, like just loves them, like has toys, draws them instead of paying attention during schoolwork, uh, and then it's like you know, it's a six-episode run, and by the end of it, he's like his friends are coming over to him and they're like, "Oh, it's time to play robots," and he's just like in fucking tears because he now knows what what happens when people fight. It's really good. People should watch it. But I find well, myself- it,
1: it, I mean, as someone that doesn't uh, has not watched uh, a lot of Gundam, right? Um, but like everything that you've said about it, like implies that it's a show that doesn't shy away from like military politics right no, yeah 100 so, like, yeah, yeah, the show the show gets it's flashy the cool robots are like you know a hook into it yeah but it's also not just a show about cool those robots. It's like
0: right exactly how war is terrible and and how our devotion to being the best prevents us from from rising to our various peaks as as humans whatever the point is I've had that conflict in that part of my life, and I actually have it inside of games, too, which is like, I remember the first time I watched, the there was a GTA uh, 4 trailer, a GTA 4 trailer, in which Nico either shoots, I think he shoots a dude down into a subway, uh, a subway station, like down the stairwell, and I don't know if you remember this, but when GTA 4 was coming out, one of the things that if you were on a site like NeoGAF at the time, that you cared deeply about, was that when... Uh, when when uh, people got hit by something, they went into a certain sort of like procedural ragdoll animation. Oh, yeah, ragdoll physics. Yeah. The, but it wasn't just regular. It wasn't like Max Payne ragdoll where everyone was like literally a ragdoll. Mm-hmm. It was like your knee goes out. You know, like it felt like a skeleton. And I remember watching that from my dorm room and being like, "Yo, that's the coolest thing ever," um, because it feels so physical, right? It felt it felt not visceral but kinetic, right? Uh, and part of me still gets that from time to time, and part of me still does in a video game. Like I, I, three months ago, I watched all of the reload animations for all of the guns in Far Cry Two, like on a video, like a ten minute long video. I was like, "Oh wow, those are cool." When I talked about Hunt Showdown earlier this year, I talked about how cool it is to load those individual shells into the into the into the revolvers.
1: Or the, we would talk about like we and we'd actively discuss this when we do our our PUBG streams, but like. R- recognizing the rhetorical disconnect between like how we talk about right uh gun like if you, the stories we would tell of our favorite moments of PUBG mm-hmm. you'd step back and go yo that's fucked that's like fucked why up. do you think that's exciting and fun right. and like a thing you spent 150 <laughs> um, hours doing but i think like it's i think it's okay to to relish in that contradiction that look like, games allow us to explore fantasies and like exploring violent fantasies within the space of video games is not inherently a terrible thing but it's also worth recognizing like what you're doing and what you're getting excited by and like trying to grapple with that right. contradiction and realizing there are layers to that contradiction <laughs> that that are not as simple as like you know a, a media portrayal of like guns causing you know video games causing violence Um, but it's also the truth that like it's exciting to like shoot a dude in a in, game in Call it, of Duty or whatever right.
0: you get that like, getting kill. that sniper
1: shot in PUBG like right. across the hill and it bounced off that dude's helmet and he was only wearing a level one helmet which meant that bullet went through and it killed him like
0: fuck like okay it, bad, triggered, bad, that, yo, it triggers mm. that adrenaline rush right and yeah. like and for me it's just like I wish there were more things in the space that were aware of that and played with it a little bit. There was a moment I was, right. was playing Frozen Synapse recently, Frozen Synapse 2. I told this story to some degree last week, I think, on the on the podcast, in which I got a mission against a cyberpunk tactics game where you kind of are a bureau who's trying to stop what is basically an evil AI from stealing a bunch of like special superpowered relics. And on the side you also have to do missions for various factions. Um, and one of them was asking me to interrupt a, a protest group from this fr- – from a group that worshipped the evil AI. And I was like, yeah, sure, I need the $50,000 so I can hire a flamethrower unit or whatever the thing you do in a video game. Of course. Come right? on. don't have to explain so yourself like, to me, Austin. Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you play video <laughs> games. And so, you know, you pull up with your unit of, like, assault rifle troops in front of this huge open area that's, I guess, presumably like a lecture hall or something. And then you step out, and it's just like 80 people. And there are like, three armed guards. And you guys aren't... It's not no Russian. You're not shooting into the crowd and killing dozens of people. But there was something about the experience of just, like, my units stepped outside, took aim, and killed the three dudes inside who had pistols. And that, like, dispersed the crowd. That was terrifying. There was, like... I immediately was like, oh, shit, I ugh, what am I doing? <laughs> like, why would I accept that mission? This is terrible. Because it made material and, and obvious the results and the, the, the actual spaces where when gun violence happens, how chaotic it becomes and how scary it becomes. And I don't need that from every single game, and I think there's a way in which that even that strategy can end up fetishizing it a little bit. I felt that way about uh, The Last of Us, a little bit worse. I think some of the violence in that game started at, we got to remind you that violence is real and that people are hurt and that this is scary, and ended at, like, and it's oh, fucking yeah. cool,
1: isn't it? Well, yeah, that's you're when badass. you're, like, listing it as a bullet point. Like, we have, like, 18 different finishers. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, our, mm, right. I, I know, I you're, realize you gotta make a certain number for variety's sake, right. but uh, yes. You're like are tending to if be they're...
0: a Cronenberg film, but you're really just Doom. And Doom is fine, but Doom is right. selling itself as Doom. Right? Like, Doom is saying, you're here for finishers. Uh, Danielle, you?
2: Yeah, I, I think, I'm thinking a lot about sort of the fact that we're all human beings. We all have a certain fascination with violence from a very young age. Uh, and It's healthy to explore that in ways that are healthy. I think the biggest problem is that uh, people don't have the kinds of resources and instruction... Uh, and guidance for finding outlets that are healthy right. uh, in certain ways. I mean, there, there are so many ways to explore violence in, like, a healthy way. Video games is one of them. It's just I think a lot of people aren't intentional about that. They just sort of go about, oh, this is entertainment, I'm enjoying it, and not think about, like, hey, it's actually okay that you're excited by this. Like, it's okay to be – it's okay to do kick stuff. It's okay to do combat sports. It's okay to do video games. Like, whatever yep. it is that is your healthy outlet where – you're engaging in some sort of consensual way. It's just we're so bad at talking about this stuff. We're so bad as a culture at, like, actually understanding what's going on underneath that sort of top layer or that sort of, like, very surface layer. And I do wish there were more games that engaged with that and also that we had better ways of talking about it, frankly. Yeah. Like, obviously, we're talking about it on this podcast, right? But I don't think most people are on a podcast sort of <laughs> wrestling with their own feelings about violence. Uh And I don't think you should, like shame yourself for being excited by these things right like i think it's okay to accept that like yeah there's a part of my lizard brain that's like really excited when i watch two people fighting right like i do that all the time it's something i enjoy a lot it's watching people fighting or you know fighting myself fighting yourself
0: yeah i was gonna say yeah yeah
2: exactly right like it's exciting and fun and awesome and i think games are that for so many people and it's like it's okay That you like virtual shooting. Like, that's okay, but, like, know that that is a very specific way of expressing that, if that makes sense. Like, know that this is, like, a very specific way that you're engaging in this, know what it's doing for you, and know where to, you know, kind of understand the difference between that and the million other ways in which you could either experience violence or see violence happen in the real world. And that's... That's where I think there's a uh, massive uh, disconnect.
0: that active presence, and and especially if you then take that to that next step of being active to work in the world to to you know help push the projects that you care about forward, um, I think those two things are, are what make give me some peace there. Um, you know the hegemonic thought, uh, uh, kind of dominant culture works partially in 2018 and and throughout most of the 20th century, the second half of the 20th century, by bombarding you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The just constant, constant, constant input of material that has under it a shared baseline of assumptions around who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, what it means to be successful, what it means to be beautiful, blah, blah, blah. At at any point, you can take a person and say, hey – Uh, Look at this advertisement that shows what a beautiful person looks like. Tear it apart. Tell me what's wrong with it. And and most people be like, oh, well, this is clearly bullshit. Like – this woman is real thin. This dude is like way buffer than than most dudes could ever be. Oh, you know these people don't even look like this on most days. Like this is just like a one perfect. This is their perfect day where they like so spend that dude three eat weeks sugar
2: for six months. Right, exactly. It takes this one yeah. photo,
0: yep. and then tomorrow <laughs> by this time next week he's going to put on ten more pounds. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and any person, or most people can do that. I like, I, I genuinely believe that, but the way society functions, the way culture functions, is there is this just constant meteorite shower of information, of, of images, of ideas hitting you over and over again, that make it really hard to take any one of them and actually be that engaged, critical uh, uh, audience member, right? You're, you're kind of reduced into a much more passive position, where your critical faculties aren't firing, and you're not actually using them on the, on the works that you're consuming. You're just like, and also, that's not a pro, that's not a personal failing, that's you worked 40 hours this week, and you want to turn On TV and watch some fucking. I don't. Whatever. I almost said almost human, which is that. Which (laughs) was that. Uh, bad cyberpunk Fox TV show. Because that was the last yep. time I really felt like I was relaxed. It was like human cops
1: and, and uh, was AI Detroit. cops, right? It was
0: literally Detroit. It was literally... It took place in TV. Detroit. It was, it was called <laughs> Almost Human instead of Beyond Human. Michael Ely is in it. Uh, He's very good. He's a very attractive man. He's great. Yes. He's a weird robot guy. Great. J.J.
1: Abrams can get people to star in weird
0: it, it, shit. Because I think it was him and it was like... Who was the... It was like... um, It was somebody else incredibly... Carl Carl Urban, who also is like. Oh
2: my god, that's right. He's good.
1: Carl Urban is
0: good. He's good. He's good. Um,. So that show is good. But if you want to sit down and watch Almost Human at the end of the week and you don't want to talk about you – your brain isn't in a place where you're like, I'm going to think about how this you know, is a reduction of race relations in America. You want to like, just see them go bust the cyber dealer or whatever the fuck that yeah, episode Or Ju- Judge
1: Dredd, which is like the most beautiful violence I've seen in the last ten years. But like, you start thinking a lot about what's going on in that movie. You're right. like,
0: ha, uh, uh, what?
1: what? But yo, that movie looks great.
0: Looks great. Looks yeah. great. Um, and so, like, that is the way it works. And so, like, the, the, the challenge, Hot, here's a hot waypoint, you know, like, the ice bucket <laughs> challenge and whatnot. Uh-huh, critical, critical media consumption challenge. <laughs> when you go into a work, open up your, your brain, be in cosmic brain mode, be thinking about it, enjoy it, but also be like, hey... It would be cool if there were some women who spoke on screen. Hey, maybe it's weird that only brown people get shot in this movie. Like, just Should
1: i be that. saying this to the people I'm walking, watching the movie with, like, no. as yes. a commentary. Yes, yeah, yeah, just constantly as it's
2: going on. Make Every sure. thirty
1: minutes, I'm just going to pause and I'm just going to have. We're just
0: got
2: to
1: have a conversation here.
0: Uh, this <laughs> week, I think, this was, I think, The Incredibles was cool, but have you considered that it's just an objectivist uh, uh, lullaby? Have you considered that because? Uh,
2: well, uh, actually... I haven't seen
0: Incredibles 2 yet. I haven't seen Incredibles 2 yet. I hear they walk through heard it, I've heard it
1: continues the same.
0: Oh, really? Um, okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. Good. Um, all right. We should take a break uh, and come back and talk a little bit more about some video games that we've been playing and some other stuff. We'll answer some questions. So, give us a second. We're going to take a quick break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? We are back, and we still can't talk about Spider Man. Is that true, Patrick? <laughs> embargo true. I can talk about
1: the fact that I played Spider Man for the last like five days or so. Uh, you heard it here yeah, first. I can talk about it. Spider Man has Tuesday, uh, September fourth. Okay.
0: okay. Spider Man doesn't have t- 120 hours of content. You're not saying you played it straight for five days.
1: No, I, I've not, I, have, not done, I have not done that. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to sharing my thoughts, and it's definitely cool. uh, a game I've been tracking for
0: quite for a while right?
1: now. Yeah, so, and I think hopefully people get a good Spider-Man game. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh,
0: (laughs) Have y'all been playing anything else? Have you been playing anything you can talk about?
1: Uh, Briefly, I will say that I uh, was really excited to play Guacamelee 2, which is Mm. not to say that Guacamelee 2 is a bad game. Um, Like, the two hours that I played seemed like it was a fine sequel to a uh, a, 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 uh, Metroidvania that I I enjoyed quite a bit from a couple of years back, but... uh, Something had to give in um, in the month of August when we were getting Chasm and Hollow Knight and Switch was a couple weeks before that and Metroidvania uh,
2: Mania as I uh, dead, dead cells
1: it. and yes and um, so I played like two hours and eventually just realized like objectively I'm enjoying this but I just have done too much of something like this lately and so I set it down it was like I'll. I'll come back when I've got a lull in video games, yeah. like six months from now, where maybe that itch comes back. But I still need to finish the end game content in Hollow Knight. I uh, there's a new DLC for
0: it. The DLC for yes. it just hit, right?
1: Um, and I uh, haven't done, I haven't beaten Dead Cells because Spider-Man came into my life. Um, so I'll really have to get back to that in a week or two. <laughs> the way
0: you framed that, Patrick, Spider-Man mm-hmm. came into your life, huh? How Spider-Man that? came oh, into my life. Nice, congrats. He swung, uh, he
2: swung right in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he did. Um, but, uh, if, if,
1: if you have not played, it, if you didn't play any of it, if you didn't play Hollow Knight, if you didn't play Dead Cells, right if, uh, you didn't, didn't play, uh, Chasm, and you were just waiting for that Guacamelee 2, like, the two hours that I played seemed, uh, a, like a good sequel, so, okay. um, but it was just too much for me right now, and it's just like, I cannot, I'm gonna end up disliking this game, because I'm forcing myself to play something that I'm that just, you're I just too much yep. of a
0: thing. Totally. Cool. Um, well, let me know if you wrap back around to that. If if it's if it's uh, if it's any good, um, or if it's legitimately good, and not just like oh yeah, yeah, good first impression. You know, right. Danielle, right. how about you? you? You get your your hands
2: on anything this weekend? Uh just a lot of Bad North, which I wrote about awesome. a tiny bit on Friday, and we talked about it a little bit on the podcast, mostly in terms of uh, how just smooth and frictionless the onboarding and tutorialization are. Right. But super briefly, um, it is a really really pretty, very clean kind of minimal. A uh, real-time strategy game where I've obviously right. had my turn-based strategy tactics uh, fill at. Uh, I was at 697 hours of Into the Breach. That's a recently, lot of time. That's so much time. But I've been playing a lot of Bad North, and I really like it. It is. Uh, that's a very month. Very Daniel, pretty- in- Yeah.
0: That's a yeah. month. I just yeah, did the ma- I just did the math. 600 and how many? 600, 697? Six, six, 697. 696. Yeah. Six as in six as in yes. six. Six is in mm-hmm. June, the month of June.
2: The month of June. Okay. Nine, as in the month of September. <laughs> okay. Seven. Uh, I guess
1: we should. You have said in the past that like you've let it idle for like oh, hours yeah. and it's hours. Idling and right hours. now. So, like it's like theoretically. Okay, well, there's like, theoretically there's maybe like what do you even have it idling right
0: now for? You're recording a podcast.
2: I it's just sitting there. She's just sits considering
0: there. the board. Patrick. Uh-huh. I, I can see it. Which means he's it. playing. Because, like, if a chess master is looking... Pa-
2: I keep it on pause. I know, but if like, a chess master... I'm just saying master... it's possible
1: that, 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 that the hour count is, like, closer to, like, 200
0: hours. Oh, is that all? So it's not 29 <laughs> days. I'm just saying, that's what... That's...
2: <laughs> I don't think 200 is accurate.
0: It's only two weeks or whatever.
2: <laughs> it's just a lot. A lot. Benworth is really good. That's the one I wanted to mention. It looks
0: really pretty. It has a really Very good cute. look. There's Vikings. I saw some video it's of cute it.
2: cute Vikings.
0: Speaking um, of violence,
2: there is a little bit of blood in there.
0: Oh, well, that's true. Vikings got to yeah. fight other Vikings, I guess. Sure. Uh, so you got to defend your
2: little island. That's I need to get
0: point. you. I decided this weekend that I need to get you to play Invisible Ink.
2: Oh, I yeah. I need to I... get you to.
0: Because, Plan on it. Because it is, It is. I think it's a thing you would like. I think it has a style you would like. I think it has a progression system where you're doing, it's a very similar thing to, to Into the Breach of like unlocking new um, team members, basically. Um, oh, perfect! Lots of great little like puzzly. How do I get around this? How do I get through this? Um, and also, it I revisited it this weekend just because Phantom Doctrine had kind of left me a little cold, and I still wanted to play yeah. something with spies and and that had like that that kind of cool jazzy vibe and. Invisible Ink still still has my heart. I think I'm gonna play some of it on the plane to to Seattle. I'm
2: afraid to start it is the only problem. fair.
0: That's fair. Like I'm
2: actually afraid that this will be the next like 600 hour game. That's that fair. I play, we, we and sh- I'll just be like, cool. <laughs> this is my life now. I should find video some games.
0: time and I should I should make you stream it with me. I think that's what we should do. At that would least be fun. at least at least one time. We so. do like
2: a a invisible Thursday or something. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, we'll we'll no. figure
0: it out. We'll figure it out. no day rhymes with ink unfortunately, right unfortunately. so that's that's a shame um all right uh, uh other than that i I briefly want to shout out um I briefly want to shout out the virus and threat protector uh which just popped up on my computer that says didn't find any threats thanks um well my it, it also popped up and said, "Hey, your camera is bad, which is fun that's good. <laughs> thank you computer um Am I back,
2: back.
1: Yeah, I think the virus thing
2: actually. The virus gave you you a little. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it
0: did. Little sneeze. Uh, the other thing (laughs) I've been playing, I want to shout out briefly. We talked about mechs in the first half. Um, I finally put a bunch of time into Heaven Will Be Mine, which uh is the the spiritual successor to, um, we know the Devil, uh, a visual novel that. is by a group of people. I think the name of the studio is Worst Girl Games, I believe is the name of the studio, (laughs) uh, which is a great fucking name. Um, uh, It's published by Pillow Fight, Pillow Fight Games, who publishes a bunch of VNs of visual novels. Um, I like Disclosure. uh, This is by two people who I'm friendly with, uh, uh, and also by uh, co-written or written by uh, AVB, who's written for Waypoint. So complete disclosure, there is... there is I, My bias is through the roof. Uh, also, it's like... <laughs> my bias is through the roof because it's a really pretty uh, game about giant robots and queer people flirting. Um, so yeah. I'm already... Yep. I'm like so incredibly there for it. It's, a, it's like this is a fascinating game that is all the way on its bullshit, that is like... <laughs> Uh, the thing that I like about it, about it the most is that unlike most mech things, its most concern, its deepest concern is with mechs as metaphor um, for bodies um, and with the question of like, hey, what do we do with the future? Like for us on the margins, how do we, re- do, we do we do we Here's like the, the core conflict is there's kind of three groups. Um, the setup is fucking great. Here's the the very basic setup. Uh, let's say 50 years ago, in the, in the 1950s, this game takes place in the in the 80s, actually, which is weird. Uh, oh, like nice. alternate 1980s. Uh, in the 1950s, humanity detected an existential threat on the margins of the solar system. Um, and so they built giant robots because the, you needed to face an existential threat in space, and you needed to face it as a person. Right? It's an existential threat. It's not just like aliens who are going to come kill you. It's something that like gets into your into your mind into your culture in a way that's scary in a way that's like undercuts who you are and so it's important to be able to get up there and like have hands and and express yourself so they built giant robots um and the three factions end up developing after the existential threat has been dealt with basically and one of them uh wants us to move everybody into space fuck the earth i'm not going home you can't ever go back we're moving into the future we're moving into space One of the factions wants us to move beyond human altogether and say, like, fuck human bodies, like, we're, we're post human, we're, we are, we are, you know, one with the ether itself. And one group says, like, no, you can't, you can't run away from Earth's problems. I don't care if you turn yourself into an alien, I don't care if you move to the moon, there's going to be problems because we're people. Um, and we need to come back and face those. And each of those factions is given a character, but those characters are not by any means tied, like loyal to those factions. And so the the structure of the game is just like you take on a mission, and a mission is like a little vignette between you and one of your rival pilots from one of those other groups, uh, flirting, and and you decide like, hey, does this go well for me and my faction, or does do I kind of <laughs> do the wrong thing because it gets me closer to this other to this other pilot? Um, and it's just, like, it's beautiful, uh, it's really, um, uh, it's really extra. It's, like, so, like, <laughs> one of the good. mechs absolutely fights by building black holes and, like, neutron stars <laughs> in the middle of combat. While the, that seems it's dangerous. super <laughs> dangerous. Another one just has a gun. Like, it's, you're fighting it, like, I just have a gun. What am I, what are my choices? Like, this isn't, how am I supposed to come out on You this? could have had neuron stars no, and you, you chose a you gun? You couldn't have, because you're from the Earth faction who just has this old busted-up Unit from the first war, right?
2: You're you're a wow. rift walker. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: exactly. Versus someone who is way, way more than just a rift walker. <laughs> um, the characters are really are really cool. It's a very funny game. It's a very like. Um, it's a very 2018 game. There's lots of, there's lots of, like, I don't want to say, like, memes, because it's not meme But it is, it feels, it has the sense of conversation that, like, I have had with real people, right? There is the relationship between, like, uh, one of the starting, one of the characters that I think that they suggest you start with is Saturn, who is this, like, very snarky, like, uh, uh queer woman who is, um she pilots a mech that can cheat time and space which again better than having a gun in my opinion yep. um that yep. has a knife that poisons other mechs and sh- wait uh-huh. hold what's on what's up with what po- uh,
2: like acid it's like
0: neurotoxin poison i have to i don't
1: sure that sounds like some bullshit
0: it's some bullshit <laughs> um uh and also looks really cool uh in any case um that character is really snarky in a way and like has text chats with other characters in a way where it's just like, I've received these texts from friends of mine, you know, like, I, I've met called
2: fr- mech the knife. Is that, no, like it's not
0: name? called mech the knife. Sure. I appreciate it. Now they all have cool, weird space names. Like the one that can, the one that can, uh, um, make, like black holes is called Croon Makula, which is the oh, westernmost yeah. of the equatorial dark regions on Pluto, uh, and that those that series of dark regions on Pluto on Pluto are actually also called the brass knuckles of Pluto, which is a dope name to give something on Pluto. Anyway, uh, it's cool. Nice. I'm really enjoying it. Again, uh, disclosure with 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 this one, but but I really think it's it's worth checking out if you haven't. It's called Heaven Will Be Mine.
2: I need to play it, play it. You should play sounds it. You should play it. Sounds like my my kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. Um do y'all want to uh take a quick dip in the bucket where I keep all the questions at?
2: me take a, take one? Take one. A, a you just a do dip? one
0: little dip here. Yeah, a little dip. That sounds good to me. Um <laughs> okay, let's see. Um this is a good one. I actually like this one a lot. as long as you haven't as long as you didn't ask this one the other day. I've not yet heard the Friday podcast, so maybe you did. Oh. This is from Josh who says, "Highway Point Crew. One of my favorite genres of games has always been JRPGs, but I've had to watch a lot of cool series disappear over the years." We did. God damn it.
2: I'm sorry. No, it's
0: fine. It's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. I, I just haven't had <laughs> a chance to That's, you know what? That was the question that I pulled. You know what? Here's what we're going to do. I want I want we're going to really go deep then. Give me a number from 1, 2,
1: 27 go ahead danielle
0: we're really 26. going in the bucket what'd you say
2: 26 okay 26 26,
0: 26. all right this one comes in from from uh Gueric or garrick uh g-u-e-r-r-i-c which is a cool name that i wish i knew how to pronounce right from vancouver hey wayfarers i heard you were looking for questions about politics and games so, this is from right before the election. This is from 2016. Oh, fuck oh, me. Boy. While not specifically Good. political, I want to ask uh, you all about the interactions between American games media and non-American games. I want to specifically ask about Western games from outside the U.S. since they seem more likely to be discussed without reference to their country of origin than, for instance, Japanese or Korean games. While many prominent Anglophone video game media outlets are are run and staffed by Americans, many of the Western games that garner a lot of discussion in those outlets are made outside of the U.S. by people either in other Anglophone countries like Canada and the U.K. or in non-Anglophone countries like Germany, Poland, France, Sweden, or Ukraine. These countries all have different social histories and political cultures, and it seems fair to think that this might influence the content and nature of games they create. On the flip side, many of these developers know the U.S. is the largest single Western consumer of video games and a hub of games media, and as such, they work to tailor their games to American audiences, or at least that's what they, Im- or at least what they imagine American audiences to be. But even in doing so, they are inextricably creating from their position within their own country's social and political cultures. This leads me to a pair of questions: One, how do you, as American journalists approach discussing games that have been developed by people who live outside the political and cultural landscape of the United States? Two, what are your thoughts on the ways non-American game developers choose to approach American audiences or not, and the impact these decisions have on both games and gaming media? All the best, Garrick, from Vancouver. That's a good Oof. question.
2: That's a very good question.
0: I, I think I'll say, for my part, I think it's noticeable. It's, it's, I think we probably could do better by it, because for me, as a as a critic, I tend to notice it when those developers take a swing and miss i think about something like Hmm. um uh, there's been like a a rash of games about policing in the last few years Uh, i think cameron kunzelman actually did a piece for us about this about um european devs making games about american cops um and like
2: this is the police and uh the one that has the big donut icon
0: the donut, uh, beat icon. cop. beat, it's cop. beat yes, cop. Yes, beat cop.
2: Yeah, yeah. there was um, another one too. I think there was like three in within a couple of months. Yeah,
0: totally. Uh, Police yeah. stories. Um, there's yep. been a bunch, and there's been more since he wrote that story. Actually, and that was one of those ones yeah. where it was like, ooh, like this is your vision of policing is so. It ref- it so clearly reflects, and they and in some of the cases, the developers came out and said, "Yeah, you know, we were basing this off of like Miami Vice and the sort TV. of TV yeah. procedurals that have made it to us, and we love that idea of what cops look like." And it's like, well, okay, the, you're really not like you've missed something. There's been a the, the distance actually has impaired the ability to to remark on this, which you know, is ironic given how often American culture producers do the same exact thing or worse with everywhere in the world. You know, like, I, I can't point to... I, there are an infinite amount of games that I can point to that get something dramatically wrong about Europe or the Middle East or South America or Africa or you know, a million places, right? So, like, that is not that is not a a, a unique thing to the developers of those games. But I, but I think it's a, a, probably a, a detriment that the things that I notice the most are that or... The other thing that I think happens a lot in our conversations, like, oh, it has that Eastern European flair. It has that feeling of it being, like, it's a little janky, but it's kind of cool. It feels real. There's a a sort of exoticism that gets tossed around that I'm personally guilty of of tossing around in the past, for sure.
1: A little bit of condescension, too. Yeah,
0: totally. A hundred percent. A little bit. Which is, is, there's a bit of a double bind in that, like, I look at a game like Elix that came out um, earlier this year. Uh, uh, It was an RPG. I want to say it was by the devs who did... um, not the gothic games, but the... They may have made, like, Raven's Cry. They may have made, like... It was the gothic games. It was Risen. It was the Risen games and the gothic games. Piranha Bites. Okay. And Elix was, like, a sci-fi, science fantasy, open-world RPG, third-person, super janky.
2: I remember this, um, yeah. Yes.
0: And... and uh, but also really ambitious. And I, I never knew... Like I only played a little bit of it, and I didn't play enough to actually weigh in on it, but with my time with it... I definitely felt like the, I was torn between, am I cutting this game slack because I know it wasn't developed by a big Western developer? Um, should I be cutting it slack because of that, because it's ambition beyond resources? Or should I be applying my personal taste to it? Should I, be, should I be thinking about the audience from Eastern Europe? All of that stuff was in my head. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, I just didn't like it enough to keep playing. And like that speaks for itself. But I think that all of those things are definitely worth thinking about and talking about.
2: There's definitely been times where uh, with developers from other countries, uh, maybe particularly Japan, uh, but I, I could think of examples from European devs as well, where I've felt uh, wary of asking questions, especially about sexism in mm. games or like, a, or like, oh, how do you feel about Strong women characters kinds of things where, you know, interviewing a dev at E3 mm-hmm. or something where I felt like I know I need to ask this question and I will. But, like, I don't know. I don't know how much of this is going to be different from the way I would ask this question uh, of uh, an American developer because of a, a, a cultural, you know. Right, right, um, right. Kotaku did a, a, yeah. a
1: really fantastic interview with the developers of Soul Calibur at nice. E3 in which they specifically... Um, I, unfortunately I'm neglecting I don't I don't know who did the, the interview but I, it was a um uh, they pushed back hard um, yeah. like what's up with like like you've this series has made a lot of evolutions and the characters are in a lot of ways less ridiculous than they were in the past but like yo what's up with the boobs in this All right game? yeah and didn't it just didn't just accept the first answer didn't just accept the second answer like kept going back and ended up getting like really meaningful interesting yes. answers that weren't at uh, Essentially, just you know, they wanted to make sexy characters, right. right? Like, and there was some really revealing answers there. So, um, you know, it required in that position, you know, someone pushing, pushing, pushing. But yeah. I totally share your, your, uh, your, uh, not sharing sure you know how to approach something that you feel like might be lost because you don't have control over how the question is asked and interpreted along right. the way. And so sometimes it's easier to just ask things that are a little more, uh, you can kind of guide where the conversation is a little bit better. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: totally. Um, cool. Well, I think those are the answers we have for that one. Thank you for sending that in a year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever that was. <laughs> uh, if, you you if you have questions, you can send them. Two years ago, I guess. I guess at this point, August. Yeah, that seems right. Great. If you have questions, you can send them into com. As a reminder, we are scheduled, at least, to be at PAX West. Um, do you remember the it's Saturday? It's Saturday at one yeah. thirty.
1: Let's see. Saturday afternoon. I need to read this Let's out see. loud
0: because you... God damn it, Patrick. What? 1.30 to 2.30 at the Sandworm Theater.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Please, yep. There aren't... This is your... You wrote this. There aren't enough panels at PAX talking about the big controversial topics of the day. Gundam yeah. and politics. Other podcasts True. are content with dancing around the issue while Waypoint Radio cuts to the heart of the matter. Gundam, is it good? Politics, are they bad? <laughs> Join Austin Walker, Patrick Klepping, and Danielle Riendo as we ponder these questions and mull about Dark Souls 2. You you made it seem as if I wrote this, and you did a good job <laughs> at it. You really did a good job at it. Um, I don't know how much. Just see Someone messaged me, Patrick. Did you see this?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, no. Someone
0: messaged me. I was like, I'm so excited to hear you talk about Gundam in politics. <laughs> like, genuinely. And I was like, oh, no. Patrick— <laughs> What did you get us Mission into?
2: accomplished, Patrick. I'll watch
0: a Gundam episode on the right, flight. Good, I'll link you one. I'll pick one thing and I'll be like, watch yeah, this. Yeah, pick an episode uh-huh. and an I'll, episode. I'll load it up this on my is, phone. Okay, great, on your phone.
1: One episode. Okay. You don't Only get it. It's, it's not a two-parter. So you need to watch an arc. I need a. I need a. I need an episode. All right, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, so yeah, we will be at PAX uh, this this coming uh, weekend. Uh, our panelists.
1: Uh, yeah, on Friday, Saturday, Saturday Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're, we're flying, flying. Out. We won't be around Monday. Well, I guess
0: really not on Sunday. Mostly, mostly just Friday, Saturday. Friday, Saturday. <laughs> yeah, mostly Friday, Saturday. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, short one this time. You know, listen. There was a moment where we weren't even going to go. So yeah. you yeah. know, uh, this is a, it's a good thing that we're going to be there. I'm excited about it. Um, Friday and Saturday, I will be on a couple of other panels that you can look up. Uh, I'm also going to be on the US Gamers doing a panel on, on Mass Effect. Um, they have an ongoing, they have an ongoing, uh, podcast about the best RPGs of all time. Uh, and so they're going to do an episode there live. It's called Mass Effect US Gamer Explores One of the Best RPGs Ever, and that is at Saturday at 5 p.m., so after our panel. Um, and then I'm also going to be on the Hidden Gems panel, um which is uh, has a really great uh, a group of people on it. Um, that is Dylan Ilvento, who is the kind of host of this. And then it's me, uh, Felix uh, Kramer, um, who is fantastic if you don't know Felix Kramer from all of their giant bomb visits uh, you should Felix is fantastic uh, I guess they're currently a producer over at Polytron but they've touched so many indie games over the last few years that they are uh, they're just a great person and then, then Khalif from Spawn is going to be there too so that'll be oh, a really nice. fun one that is on Friday at 5pm at the Cat Theater um, so you can look those up if you're going to be there uh, you know we will obviously after our panel be shaking hands and having conversations so, so feel free to come by we'd love to see you there um, any other any other packs you have one right you're gonna be on
2: yeah the improvised postmortem is like a really goofy comedy thing Uh, we have to basically uh, create fake postmortems for fake games and that's it Uh, the Hydra Theater it's it's fun. It's a fun one. Uh that's the Hydra Theater Friday at eight thirty.
0: And that so is that's y- my other one. You, Pat Bear, Dave Lang. Pat Bear, uh, Jeff Gersman, Abby Abby, Abby Russell, from Giant Bomb. Chris Straub from, from uh Chainsaw Suit, uh Addie, Addie yep. Slepik, uh, and Liz Roche. So awesome. That's right. Um, so it's a
2: whole it's a you know hopefully it'll be fun.
0: Totally. <laughs> and you can find Patrick uh at the hotel bar. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm away from my family. No
1: kid, no wife. let do this. God,
0: all right. <laughs>
2: you and the Maybe gamers. Not the hotel bar.
1: Those drinks are expensive.
2: But. <laughs> you gotta feel find the hotel bar. Down is like the, the, street. the. Yeah.
1: It's like what you do. It's what you do at the end of the night. It's like I need one more. Okay, go to the hotel. There
0: bar. it is. That's, that's what you do. Especially at, especially we're gonna be in. A, we'll talk. I was gonna say we're gonna not be in a. Uh, we're gonna be in a regular hotel this year. It's gonna be exciting. Yeah, what? we're not in. We're now no, like weird. Holy yeah. Uh huh. I made a call. I was like, no more Airbnb. All right. Listen, no more. How about this? Just
1: also got tired of staying in places with me. I I'm get it. done. I'm still gonna, no more I'm magustas. still gonna go find you a... <laughs> So what, no, no it's good? What's that? Is so um here's what's good. Is uh one of the uh, really cool things I'm I don't know if this is present on Android, I've only ever used iOS, but like in the photos app I had a section called memories, which is where it like will take compilations of photos based on like location Uh data or uh like a moment uh or like the last we've we've taken all the photos of your kid uh from like the last spring like and put them over like nice music if you want to post it on facebook it's a it's a really neat feature um but you know the algorithm is not perfect and you can like help pick like take out certain photos Mm -hmm. um and inevitably like uh, if my if my daughter sees my phone she goes photo photo and she wants to look at photos and like the easiest thing is to just like have one of those like auto generated videos play so she can watch it for a minute or two um and over and over the fucking magusta like <laughs> video gets in there of like me oh, like midnight so like like putting in this magusta into the <laughs> the microwave God. just makes it into the and every time it comes up she goes beep
0: beep 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 cuz she good. sees the microwave and oh. wants to hit the buttons I'm oh. just like, God damn it. So good. I love it so much. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. We're do Waypoints. It's oh, Monday. It's, it's Monday. It's Waypoints. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you oh. have
2: one? Put the yeah, I do. On you.
1: Um, uh, so I'm going to point people to an article uh, over at uh, Splinter, okay. um, which is under the uh, it's like the post-gawker. What is it? The, what, what are they owned by Gizmodo
0: Media um, Group or the...
1: I guess what I mean? Splinter is basically like the new gawker in a in lot that, of ways. Okay. Um, yeah, and like very like uh, sharp political commentary and, and and things like that. Anyway, I'm, uh there was a really great article written by uh Paul Bless called the The Myth of John McCain. Um uh, John McCain passed yes. over the weekend due to uh complications from cancer, um and people are complicated. John McCain is an especially complicated figure that uh I think it is worth reading an article that tries to grapple with all of who John McCain was as opposed to uh, as it says, the myth that is uh, largely propagated by a lot of like mainstream uh, press uh, that you've seen a lot of in McCain the last like eight hours, really in the last like six, yeah, 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 like mm-hmm. it, investigating that term, you know, yeah, there's, there are a lot of good things that John McCain did, and there are a lot of really, really truly bad, truly despicable did. things, um, yeah, yeah, yes. truly despicable war crime sort of <laughs> things. And um, this is a, a piece, yeah, uh, Google the, the myth of John McCain over at Splinter. Splinter is just a good follow. Um, they have a lot of really great, uh, pieces that uh, um, have put a lot of things for me in. Uh, they, they, it falls in the same bucket as um, uh, 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 citations right. needed. Like, who also, did that good, podcast. who
0: also did a good. Also did a good. Yes, they
1: also that. did I, yep. like a a, po- <laughs> yeah. a short podcast uh, that, that was my that was going to be my of, thing.
2: But yeah, yeah, yes.
1: yeah okay, yeah. So, um, uh, if you like citations needed, then you would also you should think about uh, following uh, Splinter nice. um, over there because they they are definitely working in the same. World, So, yeah, the myth of John McCain is uh, the piece I would point people towards. Danielle, awesome. do you want to
0: elaborate briefly? I'll pick briefly? a different... Uh, oh, okay.
2: Yeah, no, it's fine, because I think, I think that covers it. It was actually a short episode. Uh, it's called News Brief. Don't let uh, the media erase McCain's far-right legacy. That was what Citations Needed did. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to point to a, another Citations Needed episode that I, I found really, really wonderful uh, this weekend. I, started, I, I fell off a little bit in the last few months, and I started kind of... Going back and listening to several of those episodes, and it was their season finale. It's episode 47, American magnanimity Oh, I can't say that word. Magnanimity. Yeah. Did I get it? I think so. I think I got yeah. it. Okay. Spinning Crimes Against Humanity as Benevolence, and it, it goes into the rich history of American war crimes and just horrible things uh, in American policy that have, have been spun- as being really good for the population oh, yeah. that was decimated or interned or enslaved. Yep. Uh, basically, the history of spin uh, for heinous, heinous, horrible things. Uh, incredibly depressing, but also incredibly informative. Uh, really good to know. This is the kind of thing you kind of want in your back pocket, uh, I think, intellectually for whenever this sort of thing props up. Totally. Uh, so I found that very instructive. Uh, so thank you, citations needed.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, those those Adam Johnson, and Nima Shirazi do an incredible job on that show. The, there was a series yeah. before that on um, charity, on on philanthropy.
2: Yes, specific, yeah. and, and Bill Gates. On Bill I think Gates. Was the, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: But the yeah. Whole, that whole, uh, that whole that whole that whole there's a double episode, worth really worth listening to. Um, I'm going to go really light with my waypoint today because it's been a heavy Ooh. one. Um, <laughs> yes. I posted a couple of videos this weekend um, of Larry King and Ben Schwartz. Um, Larry King, there's a video. Did, did you two see this? Did either of you see this? No, I
1: saw you referencing it in in a Discord, but I did not have a chance to watch the
0: video Um, The name of the video is Larry King Tries to Voice Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, Oh, wow. Cool. uh, It's really funny. Uh, Larry King and Ben Schwartz have the most amazing chemistry. Larry King is like as a as an interviewer um he's someone who's like great because he's a deep pocket of knowledge from all the people he interviewed i sometimes think he could be better at curating who he interviews certainly you know like he's just one of those people who's like oh yeah he's in a weird place these he days is. and <laughs> yeah. he al- he's always been kind of a weird one um yeah. but yeah. but his Ben Schwartz interviews are incredible uh there're two of them there's one that you can see like all of it's like a 30 minute interview uh, that was from a year ago that they that they released uh, in its entirety, over on the Larry King now channel, um but just this one clip of Larry King trying to voice song of the Hedgehog um <laughs> and then this there's another ten minute clip of. Uh, if You Only Knew, which is a segment Larry King does where he does this, like, rapid-fire short questions to somebody, except they flip it and let Ben interview Larry. It's both very funny. Ben Schwartz you might know as – I think maybe the, the touchstone is Jean-Ralphio from from Parks, Parks and Rec. Night. Oh, uh, sure, but, sure. Yeah. uh But uh, he's also Dewey, I guess, on the new um, – uh, DuckTales cartoon. DuckTales? And he's going to be Sonic. He's the voice of Sonic in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh, so this
1: is... So now We see what you're saying is we should allow ourselves to be excited about the uh, you know live-action animation it is. Well, hybrid Sonic the Hedgehog Do you know Hedgehog who
0: movie. else is in that movie? Do you know what that movie... Yeah, it's, it's a real... I, I am Isn't Jim 100% Carrey in here
1: it? for both Detective Pikachu, Detective Pikachu here and Sonic yes. the Hedgehog because they seem like they're both going to be like... I don't know if they're going to be good, but they seem self-aware yeah. in a way that maybe they could be fun. I don't
0: know how you cast Jim Carrey and Ben Schwartz in Song the Hedgehog without being at least a little self-aware. It's worth seeing, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I need to see that yeah. film.
1: <laughs> if it's
0: a train wreck, it's still worth uh, yeah.
1: seeing. It's, yeah. If it's a ma- if it has the potential to actually be I mean saw all like
0: set photos of like it's it takes place in a town called Green Hills. Perfect. Come on, yeah. love
2: it. That's, That's good. good.
0: That's a good Let's joke it. Perfect. Really good. Uh so yeah so definitely go watch that stuff uh, if, if you can it's all up on on Larry King's YouTube page I who am I what's happening um, the, oh his YouTube I love page. Larry King now, now go to just Google Larry King's YouTube page that's it, page and your that's it. Uh, so that's that's fun uh, that's my that is my waypoint for the week I'm gonna link you both to to that first clip immediately yes, because it's just so good. <laughs> uh, all right. If you uh, want to follow us, you can over on Twitter. You can follow me at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Patrick? You can find me at Patrick. How about you, Danielle?
2: At Danielle or I. Uh,
0: you follow everything Waypoint does at twitter.com slash waypoint, at facebook.com slash Vice, uh, And you can uh, watch our own YouTube videos over at youtube.com slash Vice. Uh, You can follow everything we do in terms of articles and everything else at waypoint.advice.com. And again, we'll be at PAX this coming weekend. If you want more info on the wonderful Bowen, who lets us use the track Miss You, off the EP panel machine, you can find out more about that at WaypointZone/boen. If you want to chat to people about stuff like video games and... Art and music and culture—you can do that. Oh, Sonic, Sonic Discourse Sonic. Zone.
2: Sonic is all the above. Sonic Truly. is
0: is video games, art, art music, and culture. Hundred percent. A hundred percent.
1: The Sonic R soundtrack
0: is great. So a lot please. of the so- yes. you know what Sonic has good music. You know,
2: genuinely yes. So yeah.
0: So that's just all the way through. Um. So yeah. Hey Austin, they're making Streets of Rage oh, four. Don't make me weigh in on it. You saw me. You saw me get mad we about have it. Thirty already. seconds. It doesn't look good. It doesn't sound good. I don't think that's the team to make it. I, it's, um, now we're gonna if see. if it, it was
2: Sonic Streets of yeah, Rage, I'm happy 4.
0: to, like, listen, maybe I'll play it and make, wow, this feels really good. But the music in that trailer was not good. Uh, it was not Yuzo Kushiro good. And it, it, I don't think it was even Streets of Rage inspired chiptunes good. Um, I think that the art is too soft and blurry. And I think that the 80s, like, like I think that the '80s nostalgia retro thing just doesn't work for me in that game. That game is from the '90s and feels like it's from the it feels like it's from the '90s in a way that like I don't need retro wave music or retro wave vibes. It, it shouldn't feel like Hotline Miami. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, and I feel like it's gonna okay. go in that direction anyway. Uh, and i big Streets of Rage, I love Streets of Rage two so much. So Damn. much. we'll see,
1: We talk about the panel. We're gonna see and probably play the game before
0: our absolutely. Uh, panel, so. All right. Um, that's gonna do it for us. Today we will be back on Friday with the Waypoint 101 of Shadowrun, uh Dragonfall. So if you uh wanna hear that, maybe play through that game this week. It's 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 not super short, but it's it's short enough for you to get through. Uh so so maybe put your put your mind to that this week. Uh, And then our episode on Monday next week will probably just be the audio of our panel, as long as we're able to capture that. Uh, And if we can't, for some reason, we're just not going to have an episode on Monday because it's a a holiday here in the States. um, And I want to take that day off and recover. We have to
2: recover. Exactly. Yeah, PAX recovery. PAX
0: recovery mode. Exactly. Love it. Uh, All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us. Danielle, what do we say to him?
2: Be good and be good at it.
0: Peace. I did a peace sign to the camera. No one's watching, (laughs) but I did it.